there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome to the weekend. Indeed, that weekend and the first one in October. And it's, uh, well, it's been a volatile uh, season, market-wise, and, uh, well, to be expected, this too shall pass. Um, I promise you it shall pass. Uh, it's not a big deal. It's a first-world problem. Um, and you know something with first-world problems? Uh, they're far extended. Uh, homelessness is, is, is an issue dear to my heart. Uh, it, it bothers me when I see homelessness, and especially homeless youth. Um, so uh, I'm going to be sleeping on the streets of Toronto November 17th for Covenant House, and uh, it's a worthy cause, as you know. Uh, I did it last year, raised over $40,000, and I have to best that uh, objective this year. I look forward to each and every one of you supporting such a cause. Uh, any amount, of course, is greatly appreciated, and uh, you will receive a tax credit. Uh, maximum tax credit uh, to Canadian uh, living in Ontario is about $0.45 cents on the dollar, so... Uh, you have to give over $250, I believe it is, over $200 collectively as a family. Uh, but you want to get big, folks. You've got to get big. At least, you know, 1%, 2% of your salary, perhaps. Uh, it's not a stretch. Uh, we don't give enough. In fact, uh, we have been giving less over the last 10 years. And, uh, well, there are many ways to give. Uh, writing a check, my preferred method. Sleeping on the streets, not my preferred method, but uh, needs to be done. Good thing is, I will not necessarily be doing it alone. Uh, no, not like the kids who have to do it by themselves, but uh, there will be fellow, fellow sleepers. And joining me on the line uh, is a very, very good heart and human being. Uh, his name is Danny Timmons. Um, he's a very intelligent man. Uh, I think he does good work for us as well. He's protecting all of us uh, as he's a partner, a national leader uh, in cybersecurity. Uh, he is MNP's national cybersecurity leader, member of the firm's enterprise risk services team, uh, and he's slept on the streets for Covenant House for now six years in a row. Uh, Danny, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me on Hi-Fi Radio this morning just to talk about uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, why uh, you are participating in the sleep out this year again uh, what it means to you and uh, you know how we can help your cause well first off thank you for very much for having me on uh, the show um, yeah I mean it's uh, you know how I got started was with a friend uh, he asked me for a donation and I looked into the organization and uh, you know thought well wow this is could be uh, something that I really think could make a difference and uh, now that I've been involved for six years, listening to not only the the uh, young adults that are in the programs, um, the people that, that are caring for them, and some of the parents that come in and talk about the difference that uh, the Covenant House made for them when they couldn't uh, take care of their own children because they were, uh, they went off and uh, they just needed a place to stay. And, uh, you know, once you go through the program, you kind of, you get, I think you just get... Um, you just feel good about uh, not only raising money for it, but just uh, being part of uh, something that is really, uh, I think, really important. If you can get to a young person early, uh, in my opinion, and uh, be able to give them some of the right choices that they could make, uh, give them some education and uh, put them on the right path. Um, it's great for society and it's great for uh, for them. You know, it's interesting you say that because Jack and I, of course, are in the money advising business. And what you said about helping people is no different when it comes to money. If we can help people early to save money, to put some aside, 
to compound it, to build some wealth. Uh, well, it certainly helps to have a financial crutch to lean on, uh, and you can't start young enough. So we have to help the youth in many different ways. I think youth are, I think the anxiety, the stress level, and perhaps I'm biased because I have children myself, so I'm now feeling the stress about rearing a child in today's society. And I, I'm seeing some, the sense from certain families that they're feeling somewhat disenfranchised about the future of their children and uh, the amount of additional challenges that they are going to face each and every day. So whatever your perspective on the situation is, obviously we need to help and anything we can do to help educate and support uh, the youth, the better we will all be. But uh, Covenant House does big work. Um, the numbers are significant, uh, both what it requires to operate the facility, and I believe it's about 25 or $30 million annual budget. Um, look, $1,000 will feed three youth uh, for a full month. Uh, $500 uh, contributes to a week uh, of off-the-street living for a youth. I repeat, 500 bucks gets a kid off the street for a week. Uh, 250 bucks gets uh, two youth visits to their on-site health clinic. This is so important. Again, when you become homeless, you lose an address. Perhaps you lose ID. Without those substances in life, you have trouble sustaining normal activity. Um, Jack, who was it that said to me... Um, uh, in terms of helping the youth and why it's so important to help the youth, he said, because he, he came across a youth that was homeless, he said, what's your biggest challenge? And that, that child said, my biggest challenge is, is, is finding some food to put in my belly so when I go to school tomorrow, I can actually think. So homeless yeah. want to continue to go to school, which surprised you think that they immediately drop out of school, but they don't yeah. until they're sort of forced out of it. I don't know who it was that said that, but I know that Covenant House, just on the numbers that you gave me here, I think it's 180,000 meals. That they serve per year, yeah, which is it's almost 500 meals a day. It's it's significant work that they're doing. It's amazing. That is that's a lot of people to feed each and every day. But it, like you said, it is a big concern for a lot of these youth. And if you're feeding 500 of them, that otherwise, where else would they be getting the food from? At least that gives them. I'm not saying the best start, but at least it gives them some food in their belly to if they want to get educated, if they want to get on their feet again. Uh, puts them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, folks, uh, good morning. We are uh, on the phone here with Danny Timmons. He is a fellow sleeper uh, sleeping uh, on the streets of Toronto with Wolfgang Klein, while C, uh, in support of Covenant House. Of course, any donation you make, you're going to get yourself a tax credit. More importantly, the cause is big. The cause is real. Um, it could happen to your children, and God forbid it does. At least someone may be there to help out, and that is Covenant House. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break and uh, get right back with Danny, T- Danny Timmons, my fellow sleeper of Covenant House, right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back. It is Hi-Fi Radio, and I'm Wolfgang Klein, host of the show. Jack Hartle in for the cause. The cause is you. Yes, we are going to occupy Main Street here on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, We want to bring you wisdom uh, that will provide you with wealth, 
that you can then do good with. Uh, you can take care of yourself. You can take care of your family. And equally important, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all family. We must take care of each other. Uh, my very, very good friend, uh, Danny Timmons, has a heart of gold. Uh, can't play all the songs for you, Danny. Um, he's uh, also into cybersecurity. Uh, so Danny, of course, uh, is thinking very, very locally, trying to help out youth as he sleeps on the streets of Toronto. You can always visit the um, Covenant House website. If you don't like me, you're going to like Danny. You can support him. Uh, Danny Timmons is his name. Um, but uh, he has a big brain. Uh, he holds himself. Well, he sits on the Canadian Advanced Technology Alliance Cybersecurity Council. Oh, my goodness me. That's a large acronym. Uh, working to further cybersecurity in Canada. We look at the stats about cyber breach. It's incredible. Um, it really, really is from... Oh, God, Facebook, about 500 million accounts affected. Uh, Equifax, several hundred million accounts affected. Uh, and there's even an FBI most wanted list for cyber criminals. Uh, number one on the list is a gentleman named, I don't know if he's a gentleman, an individual named Park Jin Hawk. Uh, he's top of the list. Danny, uh, I was say, Danny's really in a secular growth industry. We've got to find a couple of companies that are involved in this type of thing because it uh, looks like it's got a lot of runway in front of it, the, uh, the cybersecurity uh, business out there. So, so, so speak to your business, what you do for a living, um, Danny, and how does this in any shape or fashion relate back to you sleeping on the street and helping the youth? <laughs> <laughs> or it doesn't necessarily have to. <laughs> no, that's good. I just wanted to point out one thing that, you know, when we talk about the Covenant House and I get right into cybersecurity, um, it's just not beds and food, right, that they provide. Some of the, one of the things that I really learned when I was there was that they provide um, education. Uh, they they help them uh, figure out how to get employed. Um, they have health clinics there. They have some. They help them get a housing and just simple things, as you would know, uh, Wolfman Jack. Is that you know, if you think about just how do I budget? You know, you're talking about finances. Some of these kids are coming in 16 years old, 17 years old, never had a budget, never opened in a bank account. And so they're, the part of the Covenant House isn't just about supplying, um, you know, the, the bed and the food. It's also supplying some education around how do they survive in this world that we have today. So I just wanted to kind of point Yeah, no, that that's out. great, Danny. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And so from a cybersecurity perspective, it is, uh, you know, I've been doing this since uh, focused on cyber. I've been in the IT industry for a little over 25 years. Uh, information technology industry for over yep. 25 years and um and the last 20 or so i've been involved in cyber and i've seen a, obviously a, a growth uh an acceptance i think within um within the uh the business community uh within you know per people's personal uh you know being hacked or social engineered and so the you know the the difficult part for a lot of folks is is you know I have an analogy when somebody breaks into your home and steals your TV and uh, you know other things it's you feel you physically uh, something's been removed from you and you or you feel uh, violated I've had my home robbed it's yeah, an awful you feel feeling violated, right but when somebody somebody gets into your computer and steals the same kind of things but not physical that would be of value to you you don't feel it as much and so part well, you may of not even know it uh, that's you, sca- know it. you may not even know it and they're just taking perhaps just a duplicate so they're not taking it away from you i still have they, my they SIM may be number, taking a, but no, they may be taking a duplicate but taking, that information uh, is very no. valuable to them that's why they're there's they're going to such efforts to um to, to maintain it and gain it, it. yeah yeah and so that's the biggest problem in cyber is just really feeling the, you know, we, we are, I think it's that flight, 
uh, and fight uh, response that we genetically have, um, you know, we don't feel it because, you know, it's like you say, it's copied, it's gone until something happens until, you know, you're, um, you know, you've got a mortgage against your name uh, and, you know, now you got to go to court or you have to go and fight it with the bank. That's not you. Actually, you didn't, you didn't actually create that. Well, that you know, Danny, again, you're bringing up an interesting point because Jack and I, in, in dealing with a few mortgage brokers, the, the topic of title insurance has mm-hmm. come up and we, Jack and I have to do some more work on title insurance. Uh, to help protect uh, you if perchance this, this, this is a rising risk. But it's amazing. In terms of cyber attacks, uh, again, America is the largest economy in the world, and as such, 40% almost of cyber attacks are taking place on American soil. Uh, but th- this notion, I, I want to pivot for a second here, because again, just coming out of the Canaccord Genuity Growth Conference, Jack, and again, we're very much in- involved in paying attention to technology of tomorrow and the connected world, the Internet of Things, perhaps is going to have additional cyber issues never thought about before because we have all these items moving and collecting data, being able to extrapolate that data perhaps from a pallet, like a skid. That tri- and when you're travel- actually going to be relying on this data, it makes that that much more valuable. Like I said, if you're driving a car and you're you know, relying on tower data, if, uh, if someone can you know get into your vehicle, lock the doors, take over control of the vehicle, these are very big challenges that you know they were never thought of 20 years ago so we still speak but with 5g they're on the horizon so yeah can you speak to that briefly danny yeah, sure. So Internet of Things, really interesting that you brought that up because most of the Internet of Things that have been that have been uh, produced today haven't had a real big thought around cyber. So they don't even think about security. They're thinking about performance. You know, how can somebody use it? How can somebody get data from it? But so they're they're a, an easy target. So the way we look at say a business uh, is, you know, what is the weakest link? So if I'm an adversary and I'm trying to get in, hack in, or social engineer their organization, what are the easiest ways for me to actually get in. And so I'm going to look for weakest link. Internet of Things, the IoT uh, side of it are right now one of the easier things for us to be able to kind of show the vulnerabilities to a business. You know what's amazing, Danny? We have to go to commercial break. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but again, it is the same. And weakest link I go back to youth on the street. They're weak. They're vulnerable. That's why they are prey. That's why they must be helped. Uh, it, it's, it's all the same, my good friend. Look, there's Hi-Fi Radio uh, on the line here with Danny Timmons. I appreciate your time th- this morning. Uh, I can't say I'm looking forward to meeting you on the streets as we <laughs> sleep together. I'm, I'm not, but I, I, I am, on the other hand. It's for a good cause, and I'm delighted and honored uh, to be able to participate with you. Danny Timmons, you're a good man. Uh, yep. Thank you very, very kindly. And more Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Good morning. Wakey, wakey. Hope you had some sweet dreams. Perhaps you dreamt you won the lottery. Well, it's a show about that. It's a show about money. It's a lottery winnings. It's a long shot. But you know something? If we can help you and and or help you help your children, start early, get out of bed, get a job, control some spending, and put money aside and learn to invest it, you don't need to win the lottery. You can do it yourself. A uh, great uh, article I got here, uh, Jack, uh, Your Money, 
just starting out, here's money advice from the pros uh, coming out of the Wall Street Journal. Um, and basically, you know, I'm give you this, the summation of it is my advice to young generation adults would be to get started developing their work ethic even before they start their career. So it starts with number one, boys and girls, get yourself a job and learn what it's like to be an employee. It's not easy. The sooner you learn, the better. Work ethic is worth its weight in gold. I, I've heard of many managers, uh, in, in, in hiring managers, one of the first things they ask a 25-year-old is, tell me about your first job. And if their first job is the one they're currently applying for, not a good sign. No, it's definitely not. And I think a lot of parents actually have put in some of those applications for their parents too. So you got to go out uh, young, get a job, get some experience, get some uh, experience actually applying for a job. Uh, and show up for work. A lot of people don't understand that. And like you said, it's part of the, the wealth process. And that's really step one. You got to go out and earn an income. So step two comes from your buddy, Jack Hank Paulson, the former secretary of Treasury. Right? Sure. Um, what he claims is he's tried to communicate to his children to live in an environmentally and financially sustainable way, which helps protect the planet and the economic security of the world uh, from adversity and unforeseen risk. It gets a little lofty in that statement, but we are seeing a little more of a social conscious. What is that ESG yeah. acronym now that, 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 that that's yeah. Environmental around? Environmental social governments, yeah. We, we just had another call from clients saying, I don't want oil stocks in their portfolio. And again, Jack and I are discretionary money managers, and when people assign their wealth to us, we in advance talk about an asset mix, but within that asset mix, there will be some oil stocks. And well, people are voting with the say, I don't want the oil stocks. Uh, and again, uh, it's ironic when uh, the same individual consumes a whole lot of uh, oil each and every day. I, I, but- I think you have to sort of uh, separate investing from politics too. And I think there's a lot of uh, missed messages out there with the uh, People on the far left, people on the far right. As an investor, you want to look at reality, look where the opportunities are. Like you said, you want to have uh, a social conscience when you invest, without question. Like we don't invest in munitions, we don't invest in tobacco stocks, but for whatever reason, it's okay to invest in marijuana. I don't totally get that, <laughs> but it's true. But uh, yeah, but for sure. So, so, so Whitney Wolf Hurt, founder and CEO of Bumble, uh, says, and this is ironic, I love what she says, because uh, it's, it's in the piece I scribed uh, a few months ago, How to Become Rich. If you want a copy of that piece, by the way, just email me. I'd be happy to send it to you, How to Become Rich by MyLC. But uh, Whitney Wolf says, never be financially dependent upon anyone else in your life. And that's part of my motivating factor. I hate being dependent on anyone for anything. Including I, the government. Do not uh, rely on the government. Oh, the, 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 the last man standing. But don't rely on a parent or a spouse, or a boss. It will only erode your self-worth and negatively impact the important relationship in your life. And uh, instead, learn to save, make money, and then you can rule your own world. Who doesn't want to rule the world? I don't want to ruin the world, but my own domain, I certainly do. Uh, Another point here that I really, really like uh, is in terms of their children. Uh, According to a few financial planners here, our philosophy is to make sure our 16-year-old, 13-year-old, and 9-year-old feel informed about the economy, markets, money, and not intimidated by them. Again, a 9-year-old, financial markets, perhaps a stretch. But once the Well, baby steps, baby steps. Baby steps, a savings account, a piggy bank. Teach them the the value of a dollar, teach them to save a little bit. Correct. If they want to save up for uh, a box of Lego in the case of my son James um, realize that it doesn't happen immediately delay gratification those are all things that you know wise investors uh, and successful investors have to uh, learn uh, and experience well that's the most important thing again I don't think you can get a 13 year old to pay a lot of attention to the economy or to the stock market Uh, but in terms of saving in terms of habit without 
question. Um, again, I, I do believe it is good to have children exposed to market volatility. You know, I talk about this all the time, Jack. Right. Do not shelter your child from risk. Encourage them to take on risk so they get an understanding of what risk means, correct? Especially when you start out with small numbers. If you start out with a $1,000 savings account, and you know what, maybe you buy a mutual fund for an 18-year-old and they have a 10% loss, it's not the end of the world. Uh, if they lose the whole portfolio, it's actually not the end of the world. But if they make that same mistake with their retirement savings 25 years down the road, and it's their first time actually really doing any investing, that's where you can really have a catastrophe for you with a, a financial plan. So experiencing a little loss and realizing that there is risk out there, I think is very useful and helpful. So one of the best mutual fund companies uh, on the planet, Jack and I agree, is Fidelity, Boston-based. Um, fantastic minds inside that company. And uh, uh, Mrs. Johnson uh, with Fidelity uh, says uh, her advice uh, when she was a kid was to be cautious with leverage. And what she means by leverage is buying assets with borrowed money. It can It's dangerous and can be finan- financially toxic when people use too much credit card or home equity debt to pay for current consumption, which does lead me to another point I want to make. I caught up a new phenomenon. Well, that relies back into the other thing that you kicked off the episode with was the fact that you don't want to rely on others. You want to be able to take care of yourself. And when you rely on others borrowing, potentially they can take away that borrowing from you and it could be uh, detrimental to your financial plan. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager with Canica Genuity Wealth Management, here for you, also here to occupy Main Street. We're full of advice. It is free advice. And, well, we hope you can make use of it. Uh, Stay tuned. More of the show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, good morning. It is Hi-Fi Radio Show about money. Here's a story for you. Finance Magazine. Eyeing that sweater. It's yours in four easy payments. Yes, a sweater in four easy payments. Apparently, online shopping uh, for consumer items you can now purchase uh, on the old installment, once, which was once the lay- layaway, layaway yeah. plan. Uh, and I remember a layaway plan. I bought myself a cassette player, a Luxman cassette player. Brittany is looking at me like, what is he talking about? What is a cassette player? Yeah, it was cool. Lots of moving parts. And after a couple of years, it'd break. But uh, between now and then, it was a lot of fun because I would uh, pirate music. I would, yes, record. Well, I wasn't pirating music. I'd record my own records so I could play them in my car on my cassette player. Uh, and yes, I didn't have the $220 to purchase it, but it was a good price. I wanted it. So I put 20 bucks down and every couple of weeks I went back to that stereo store <laughs> with another $20 bill until 10 trips got me my stereo, got me my Luxman, uh, cassette deck. But, um, FinTech, uh, and, and, and the world of digital payments is now changing the way consumers look at uh, purchasing consumer items. And So what's the uh, return policy there, Wolf? What's what's going on? Well, return policy, say, aside from the, the, the payment, pro, I, I think online <laughs> garment return policy works well, and that's why people order three pairs of shoes. Do you have to make the suit. full payment before you, actually, can you, before you can return the sweater? 
Well, no, a return <laughs> policy you don't buy. You just they, they send the item, you like your return. But once you start buying, you're on the hook, I think. Okay. Uh, I should have brought the sweater song. That was who wrote that sweater song? Um, Kevin, do you know who wrote that sweater? The sweater song? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, come on, '90s band. This, Google it for me, Brady. Get, get back to me on that one there. The sweater. Um, you guys know it. I'll get back to you on that I'll one. I'll know there. when I hear it. For Anyways, sure. it's Hi-Fi Radio. Tis a show about money. Good morning. Uh, we're here for you. It is October, and uh, well. You know, as the fall approaches, we do get a little more serious about our money. And Jack and I are very serious about occupying Main Street. We want we want to um, educate Main Street. And uh, Brittany's just educa- reminding me, yes, the band was Weezer, uh, the sweater song. Do you remember that song, Weezer, Jack? Jack doesn't remember Oh, yeah, for sure. There, From the 90s. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. It was a great song. Uh, so anyway, we got, got uh, Kevin Muir on the uh, line. Uh, he's a big brain from Bay Street, uh, macro tourist author, um, a guy who thinks outside the box, a guy we've had on the show many a times. Uh, Kevin, it is a volatile season. Um, what do you make of it? Well, good to be with you, Wolf. Um, it's a lot of volatility because the market is kind of trying to adjust with the fact that the latest economic numbers on the ISM uh, kind of releases over the past couple of days have finally shown what the bond bulls have thought for a long time, which is that the U.S. economy is not immune to the slowdown that the global economy has been kind of uh, affected by. And these numbers are kind of showing out in black and white that the kind of the deniers, the ones that thought the U.S. could kind of go through this uh, hiccup in the world economy without actually also slowing down, it's just undeniable now. And the U.S. economy is finally kind of rolling over. So, so Kevin, what do you make of the fact? So the ISM manufacturing, like you said, and services both came in weaker than expected. And I think uh, manufacturing was actually um, contracting. It was, yes, below 50. And below, and worse than expected too. I think it was around 47. Um, But the Fed, who's notoriously behind the eight ball, they've actually been cutting in front of this. Um, What's your view on that? And then uh, expectation, I think, is 80% now that they're going to cut again in October. Uh, Do you think that they can steer the ship in the right direction with more cuts or, or are they hopelessly behind well, um, the economic data. Well, the the Fed has been slow in cutting, and that's been the problem with the market. You know why the economy has been stalling. Yep. The Fed is is kind of being, as you mentioned, notorious at kind of dragging their heels at cutting because they've been hopeful that it would turn around. Unfortunately, I think that Trump's kind of rhetoric with all the China bashing and stuff has has kind of cast a like a kind of a, a, a shadow over any sort of business activity. And if you're sitting there and you're a CFO or CEO trying to decide what to do, you'll say let's just wait it out. Um, the Fed, in the meantime, has been hopeful that they would resolve itself and that the economy would get going. That hasn't happened. We're now at the stage where it's kind of obvious that that, that is affecting the entire economy. And now the question is, the Fed is forced to chase the market down, meaning that they'll actually, even though the market has priced in some cuts, they will continue to price in more and more cuts until the economy can improve. And the real problem is, what if the Fed doesn't chase it down as quickly as the market expects? And that's what you should be watching for. And if I was the Fed, I would almost go out and try to you know, whatever the Fed is expecting in ter- or the market is expecting in terms of cuts, I'd almost try to do more. I'd almost try to get out and say, okay, that's fine. Let's get out ahead of this and see if we can actually cause the economy to, you know, to bump back up from here. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to decide what you want to do with your portfolio, that is one of the big decisions you're forced to make is, will the Fed 
continue to drag their heels or will the Fed actually go out and get ahead of this? Yeah, no, I've been saying that for the last couple of Fed meetings, actually, instead of the 25 basis points that everyone's been expecting them to cut. So a quarter percent come out and actually shock the market, maybe with 50 basis points. Which it doesn't sound like much, but let the market know that, uh, you know, they've got their back and they want to extend the economic cycle. And that's really what uh, Powell's been saying. But he's actually got to deliver it. I think we'll see what happens in, at the end of October. But just just meeting expectations, I really don't think will be enough. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Wolfgang Klein, host of the show, along with Jack Hurdle. Uh, Kevin Muir on the line. Uh, brilliant man, author, macro tourist. Uh, Kevin Muir, very easy to find. I encourage you to subscribe to his uh, writings. Uh, they're free and they're very, very intelligent. Um, good stuff, I shall say, uh, to uh, read by a fighter. Yes, indeed. Well, more of the show uh, coming up right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I always found that song kind of quirky. But the product of the 90s, indeed. Ah, my good old rock and roll days when I, well, I worked in the music business. It was a lot of fun, and I do miss those days, but you got to grow up sometime soon. I remember seeing Weezer at, uh, I think it was Crocodile Rock on uh, Adelaide Street. It was a private industry showing, and there were 50 of us. Very, very, very cool little uh, band. Uh, Wolfgang Klein here, host of Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. We're here to help you. Yes, we're going to occupy Main Street. We want to educate you, and we want to help you have more money because you know something? Don't rely on anyone else. They're not going to take care of it. You have to take care of yourself. And, uh, well, we're going to hopefully teach you how to fish, and you can as such be fed for life. Uh, Kevin, you're a very smart man on the line with us. Jack and I always give him a shout in times of, shall I say, market volatility. And boy, the year really does fly, because I remember last time uh, we had a very, very dramatic conversation with Kevin on Hi-Fi Radio. It was last December as the market was rolling over at big time. It was down to 18%. And Kevin said, you know, I do expect a violent Santa Claus rally. And sure as eh, uh, it came, and it came violent. It was up but there's like 15, been 20%. Too, right? There's been follow-through. I mean, the, the first three quarters of the year, market's up close to 20%. That's so, what I mean, yes. Yeah, it's done exceptionally well. Not just a Santa Claus rally, but, you know, well into September. So a couple of themes that Jack and I are, are noting right now, Kevin, and just uh, as when you sort of follow along here with us. Um, we, so far, 2019 has been a very low volatile year. We're talking about volatility right now because we this the last couple of days, weeks, we've seen some, but we have had not a single 10% correction, I believe, in the Western markets this year. In fact, I think the worst correction we've had this year is about 6%, which is... Uh, Abnormal. Um, the 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 marijuana landscape, as Canacor just con, con, uh, concluded its uh, marijuana conference uh, here at the Sheridan Center, uh, the marijuana landscape uh, has been uh, hurt and hurt hard uh, both sides of the border. But then you have these what's called unicorn IPOs, and Jack, can you refresh to me what a unicorn uh, company is? But these IPOs have gone sour, uh, and, and and that speaks to about something going on beneath the market surface. I want to I want Kevin to answer that question. Right, so, so they say yeah, unicorn, unicorn is a company that comes to market with a billion dollar uh, market cap. Uh, Decacorn is with a $10 billion market cap. The issue yeah, that- They're the, actually private companies that have those market caps. Right, so- that, That's the definition. 
Okay, so, so, so you, have, you have a unicorn and a decacorn. A unicorn is a private with a billion-dollar valuation. Decacorn is a private with $10 billion valuation coming to market. So the issue I think that the market has right now is these companies are coming to the market through IPO, and a lot of them, well, most of them really are not profitable, especially the ones in the shared economy space, and we've seen multiple ones. Uh, we've seen Uber, we've seen Lyft, we've seen, well, WeWork came off the shelf, so uh, the investors are really shunning these uh, unicorn, decacorns, going through the IPO I think there's some, But there's some opportunity there as well in the whole space, because again, we're talking about work, Slack. Uh, that has not worked out yet, but again, according to our analyst, Richard Davis, he thinks that thing has certainly good legs in front of it. Uh, he's going to say the same story about Square. Uh, again, below IPO price. And that's not my, my, the, the, the point I want to make to the audience. I'm then over to Kevin Muir here. But in terms of wanting to get involved in this IPO mania, friends, they will come to you often. Be patient. And I read over and over again throughout the studies I've seen, six months after IPO, you can pick up many companies below IPO price. So why participate in mania? Look for the deals. Look for the value. Uh, Kevin, uh, I want you to speak to that. What is that telling you about the market, about money flows? Uh, again, the, the IPO is going sour. Marijuana going sour. You know, is it a risk-off environment? Are we all running for safety here? Well, I guess there's a couple issues. The first one is that when we talk about the unicorns, the fact that these um, companies had these valuations trading in the private market is, is a relatively new affair. During the 2000s, like the dot-com bubble, people went public way earlier because they could actually achieve those valuations more easily through public markets than they could through private markets. But over the past decade, with more and more pension funds and other kind of people heading out the risk curve, more institutional money headed out the risk curve, they found a lot of these kind of tech companies found they didn't need to come to the public public markets. They could do it in the private markets. So what you had is companies like WeWork and uh, Peloton and all these companies funding themselves through private kind of rounds of, of, of equity. And what the real problem is, is that those private rounds of equities, because there's no real price discovery except for the next round, they were driven up to levels that just made no sense. You know, you mentioned the fact that all these companies are coming public and they're not making any money. Well, that's not really that new. What's new is that the levels that they're coming public at are levels that are kind of just preposterous compared to where we are. Like WeWork was just an absolute just gong show in terms of the valuations of it. And it's because it was controlled by a few venture capital firms. And uh, there's a, this company called SoftBank in, the, in Japan that actually invests in these companies. And they had kind of pushed it up one after another to valuations where, you know, when they came to finally bring it to the public market, the public kind of looked at this and said, why would I buy this at such an outrageous valuations? And I think that that difference between public and private is actually something that is symptomatic of the the fact that institutional money is increasingly having troubles of finding things to invest in. That's very, very fascinating speak, Kevin, because again, as you indicated, historically speaking, publicly traded companies trade at a higher valuation than private companies because there's liquidity, first and foremost, because they have access to liquidity. So this phenomenon, we've, Jack and I are aware of this, we've been paying attention for, for a number of years now. The fact that privately uh, held companies are more valuable or valued at a higher level than public companies doesn't make sense, but you're answering the question as to why, and it's basically p- private uh, p- pension money going out the risk curve 
able to participate in privates when, in fact, in the past they could not do so. Um, look, this is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, we're on the phone with Kevin Muir, one of the biggest brains that Jack and I can find on Bay Street to help us all make better money decisions. Uh, we're here for you, my good friends. We're going to occupy Main Street and help educate you about money so that you will have more of it. More of the show right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good morning. Yep. Every now and then, well, most relationships are like a roller coaster, right? Um, story in Barron's this weekend. Divorce is costly. Divorce in retirement is costly and very, very complicated. Um, Jack and I are going to be spending a little bit more time as the weeks unfold discussing the entry into your retirement years. Uh, we're seeing a lot of um, aggressive uh I'd say somewhat emotional and irrational decisions being made by people entering retirement, like stop everything, I'm retired. No, continue on your path. I'm speaking, of course, about how you manage money and how you view money. Um, and by golly, as you're entering retirement, your retirement, do not pull the D word out. That is, oh, no, 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 too late for that move. Uh, that could totally throw off a retirement plan. Could you imagine just about to enter retirement and your partner says, I want to split up? Ouch. You planned to have a nest egg of X, and now it's X divided by two. Um, and, and the expenses really remain the same while times two, right, Wolf? They do. Right, two houses, two everything, right? So, uh, well, love is a roller coaster, but uh, we got to hopefully keep the peace and keep it going. Uh, and if it's if it's not the right thing, you want to uh, no different than holding a bad investment, uh, cut it early, cut it often. <laughs> well, you don't really want to wait till you're fifty to, to to pull the shoot. But the funny thing is, out of divorce. Uh, People that are 50, that's the, the highest percentage of increases of divorce. 1% of 50-year-olds will be divorced yeah. this year. 1% each and every year of those. In, every in other age category is actually going down a little bit. Yeah. Well, look, uh, the, the show's all about common sense money. Um, you know, the, the world of finance is very, very complicated. And I, I strongly encourage you to have a partner uh, to help you through this process, uh, i.e. people like Jack and I. This is what we do. We help uh, clients through the, the many hurdles of money management. Uh, Kevin Muir, of course, whenever Jack and I bring him onto the show, uh, he perplexes me somewhat because he reminds me of how complex the world is. But the personal finance needn't be complicated because the complexities come, it goes, it ebbs, it flows, it wanes, it waxes on, it waxes off. It doesn't matter. You must have a plan, which means you must work, you must reduce your spending to allow you to save to allow you to invest and invest for growth start early start often uh that said kevin um tell me something how do you kevin again with your macro tourist and your uh, eye on the pulse with the market how do you see uh yourself in your retirement years entering retirement and your investment strategy i'm curious just a question offhand there to you kevin well, when you were telling that story, uh, Wolf, I kind of laughed about that line that we used to all say in 2009 um, or 2008 when the market was getting in trouble. We says, I, my net worth got halved, and I'm, the bad news is I'm still married. <laughs> <laughs> 
know, it's a difficult thing, and and it, it's something I struggle with as well. Because with rates down here, it's it's very it's very difficult to find something that's that's not risky, and you have to go with the risk curve to to pick up some return. Yet you kind of uh, the more that the, these things get elevated, the the more scary it becomes. And I think one of the things you do is you you should talk to people like yourselves in terms of making sure that you're diversified and making sure that you have a plan and you stick to it and you don't, you know, sell when the things get ugly. And that's oftentimes the, the where our people are their own worst enemy. And that's so over uh, Kevin over and over and over again. You know, the Russell investments put out a very, very good piece and, you know, they spoke about the value of advice and good advice is going to cost you money period. But transaction fees are zero. The world has gone to almost negative transactions. So it's no longer about transacting. Anyone can transact. So there's no value there. But there is value in diversifying. There's value in managing risk. Um, and there's a value, a huge value in, a ma- in managing emotions. And I've never seen a individual stir Canadian emotions as much as Donald Trump. Uh, our, 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 our own mayor couldn't pull his moves. Uh, as good as he, he was, extreme, as good yeah. as he was, he couldn't do what Donald Trump. But Donald Trump is real everyone's worst enemy because he will make people do things they should not do. He people are giving him too much credit and too much power in his tweets and his threats. They're going to come. They're going to go. So yeah, we got to stay on plan. Uh, look, as the road gets bumpy, Jack and I always have people like Kevin Muir that we can lean on. Kevin, I can't thank you enough uh, to join us. Uh, author of the Macro Tourist. Uh, again, in this day and age, uh, you can find Kevin very easy. Google him uh, if you are interested in his wisdom. I do wish you well, Kevin, and stay the course. And you know, together we'll get through it. We're going to find some value and find. Find some good investments and uh, take advantage of perhaps opportunity that is presented to us. Friends, uh, wakey, wakey. I want to wish you all a great weekend. Uh, focus on yourself. Take care of yourself. Uh, work a little harder next week. Uh, spend a little less. Save a little more. And perhaps give us a call and we can help you invest the difference and help you get on the road to financial independence. You have yourself a great weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.